Welcome to the How Great Events Happen podcast, where we sit down with meetings and events industry leaders to explore breaking trends, event planning best practices, the future of events, and more. I'm Brooke. And I'm Cody, coming to you from the C-Event Podcast Studio in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Now, before we get to the episode, one more reminder to subscribe to the podcast and tell us what you thought of this topic by emailing us at podcast at cvent.com. That's podcast at cvent.com. And before we get to the interview, don't forget there's this exciting offer for all of our listeners. If you want to hear more about Dr. Sparrow or other interesting industry trends, we encourage you to join us at Cvent Connect in Las Vegas. All you have to do is visit the cvent.com slash podcast page for more details. And we'll be doing a live podcast in Las Vegas as well. So come and join us. Now, remember, this is the second part of our two-part series on health and productivity. Last week, we learned all about the research. And this week, we are going to talk to Dr. Jonathan Sparrow about what event professionals can do to apply the research at events. I loved these ideas. There's some big, some small ideas, all to help enforce the health at events, thus increasing the perceived value of the event itself. So it really does help to increase the attendees' perspective of what they got out of their time at the event. They're learning more, they're engaging more, and just with a few small tweaks to the event design. And what is so great about this research is that you can apply it to everyday life. I know. Let's hear more from Dr. Jonathan Sparrow. The topic of today's discussion is really to you know, put into perspective on how to apply the research that we talked about last week. So I'm hoping, Jonathan, can you tell us a little bit more about, you know, the idea behind the R Lounge? I didn't know anything about an R Lounge before this, so um, can you kind of give us a rundown? Yeah, so this is a relatively new concept. It's It's been uh, introduced in Europe most recently, and, and it's starting to be introduced in the United States. And when we talked about biostacking last time, uh, we talked about five different elements of biostacking that help people get closer to their peak performance or flow state. And the R Lounge really incorporates three of those elements, uh, namely meditation or focused attention, mindfulness, and then the the last one's the uh, science of recovery. Uh, So it uses those three elements to help revitalize, re-energize, and bring attendees at meetings closer to their to their peak performance and, and where they feel their best. Yeah, and I find that to be so important when you're at an, at, at an event. I mean, really, you, you were in the hustle and bustle the whole time. You're totally surrounded by people that you may not know. You're always just kind of on. So having that, that area or that, that time to yourself to really recover is super important. Um, so the R Lounge, R stands for restoration, correct? Right. Okay, cool. Can you walk us through those different areas of the restoration lounge and you know what the benefit to the attendee would be? Sure. So when we were in in our first session, we talked about that even 10 to 15 minutes of focused attention or meditation in the morning can have a lasting effect throughout the entire day. So the idea here is to schedule, have scheduled time for attendees to have 20 minutes to go into the R lounge and decompress. Really, probably the greatest situation negatively impacting the performance and well-being of attendees is stress. Uh, you're traveling to a, you know, to an unfamiliar place, you're in an unfamiliar bed, you're eating unfamiliar food, and you have to be on from early in the morning to late at night. And you still have all the responsibilities at home, 
the, the idea is to get people into uh, an environment, even if it's for 20 or 30 minutes, that is the positive experience uh, that will restore, replenish, revitalize the attendees. So they're focused, engaged, and, and they're feeling good. Yeah, and I feel like when you go to an event, I mean, the whole purpose is really um, in the events industry is meeting people face-to-face, networking, getting to know people. And, you know, events in general are just really fast-paced. Everyone I've been to has been like a blink of an eye, it seems like. So how do we encourage attendees to really spend time in the R Lounge? Well, yeah, we'll talk more about what's in the R Lounge, but I think there's going to be early adopters that will just get it and they'll just want to go. And I think they're going to spread the word. But I think what's really going to help people uh, use the art lounge is if the you know internal the internal client or host of the meeting and the and the meeting professionals are able to schedule some time for folks to actually go use it. So they actually have thirty minutes where they they have a scheduled appointment in the art lounge, and it's and it's it's for them to to be pampered and and decompress and, and feel better. So yeah, you, you kind of uh, touched on my next question. Um, so what is the experience of being inside this R lounge? So you're saying it's pampering, and I imagine it's kind of a quiet environment so you can collect your thoughts. But can you walk us through like what it looks like to be inside the R lounge? Yeah, so you got 30 minutes. You have a scheduled appointment. You go over to the R lounge. You know, there's a place waiting for you there. You're you're warmly greeted by a host, and then you're required to check in your phone. So no phone, and then you. Uh, the host takes you in and, and, and describes three different lounge areas. So you have a choice. Uh, each area has a small private area just for each guest with a massage chair and a menu of options for the experience. And you can decide whether you want to just relax, a place to, to be, you know, to calm down, to unwind, to focus. You can choose uh, another place where you can be revitalized. It's more of a place to, to regain your energy. Let's say you just... Your predominant feeling is, I just feel drained. I can't get through the rest of the day. Or the third place is maybe you had a rough night. Maybe you stayed out late with uh, with your team and you had, you know, three or four cocktails and and you just need a place to detox and cleanse. So that's our Renew Lounge. So you have actually three choices. You choose one of those. And then there's a central place in the middle where the host can bring you things that will help restore you that you can intake like nutritious juices and other health foods geared geared for what you're what you're looking for within that 20 or 30 minutes you can just completely have your whole outlook changed on on how you're feeling and how your brain's working so we're really focusing in on on two things and and one is performance so we want we're using all evidence-based tools that have research behind them to in- increase your performance, your memory, your focus, your learning, and also your well-being. So this is not just touchy-feely stuff. It's, it's backed by, by research. Everything that I've been involved with in my life is, is evidence-based. And so I've, I'm bringing that to, to the R Lounge. You know, uh, one thing I think of, though, is like, what would we do if a planner was not able to have an R Lounge? Like if there's not enough space or perhaps it's not in the budget, is there still something they can do that gets some of these benefits? Absolutely. I mean, there are so many things that planners can do that they can just sprinkle in their meeting in between sessions and during sessions that will move people towards this direction. The first thing I I mentioned was music. Music can be inspiring. It can be energizing. And you can just, you can, you can introduce different types of music 
in between sessions, like in the morning, you may want to have a have an energizing uh, piece of music that gets people excited and ready to go. In the afternoon, you can have a different one. And then at the end of the day, you may have one that's just going to put them into a calm, almost meditative state so they can go off into their evening and decompress. So just uh, just putting in, in music and in, in, in between sessions can be really powerful. Another thing that is all of us can can attest to is that the power of nature and if you just have certain types of uh, screens or something that's uh, putting up videos of nature or nature with outdoor sports like snowboarding or surfing can literally change the brain chemistry of someone can make them feel more open to learning more relaxed handing out things like uh, green clean pressed juice for energy and focus in between sessions rather than brownies and and you know high sugar energy bars using infusers you can put infusers peppermint for instance is a really good essential oil for focus and to to lift your energy starting a mood uh, starting a meeting with uh deep tone bells a buddhist deep tone bell to spontaneously put people into a more focused meditative state there's like limitless ideas but meeting planners need to start to realize that they with some of these small things they can they you know if they're original and bold and innovative they can make a big difference attendees are starving for this stuff actually i remember back last week in our interview and we were talking about the research you mentioned something about and i'm, I'm not going to get this totally right but it was basically like attention span is about 20 minutes right so and i'm sure this is decreasing in different ways but i wonder like are there some things that planners should be doing taking this research and applying to events like for example shortening the length of a session people just can't pay attention for an hour should they be a half hour instead that was that's a great uh a great comment because uh, there's this whole idea of primacy and recency and you remember the, you know, if you have a session, you remember the first thing you listen to primacy and you and you really remember the last thing you heard recency. And there's strong data to show, to say that you'll retain this information, the first thing you heard and the last thing you heard. So for a couple of reasons, it makes sense that the shortened sessions to 20 to 30 minutes, because your ability to retain information goes down after about 30 minutes. And secondly, if you have more primacies and recencies, if you have more beginnings and ends, you're going to remember more. So, yeah, exactly. The, the average session right now is 50 minutes to an hour, and that's just too long. Okay, and then let's talk about technology for a second, too. So I can see, and we're biased, right? <laughs> Cody and I are a little bit biased about technology at events. But I can see it working again for you and against you in one way. There is just so much stress for this attendee, and it's really the planner's job to reduce the stress at this experience because that's going to help them retain more. Technology is a great way to do that, right? Like, you know where you're going, when you're supposed to be there, you're not standing in long lines and things like that. Now, on the other hand, if people are distracted and multitasking, they're probably not retaining information as well. So how have you seen technology work towards what we're trying to do here with human performance and productivity? And where have you seen technology kind of work against that? Our brains don't like complicated things. So the bottom line is our brains want things to be as simple as possible. So if technology can be provided to you in very 
simple flow workflows where you can look at things and, and you're not digging too deeply, then it doesn't activate your amygdala. You, your amygdala is the part of your brain that um, stimulates your stress response. So you want to avoid stimulating your amygdala. And if things are too complicated on your phone, the technology is, you know, there's too many options, then your brain is going to activate the stress response. And that's going to screw up your performance. So anything that technology can do to simplify things, easy workflows when they're looking on the phone, not too complicated long lists with, you know, too many options, then technology can be a plus. But technology will be a negative if you dump too much on that phone and make them look too many, you know, in too many places. The other thing is, is that's not really practical, but there's a really strong movement towards, you know, when you wake up in the morning, the last thing you should do is, is be going to your phone first. You need to, your, your brain needs time to readjust to being awake and, and going to your phone immediately put your frontal lobe and, and, and high gear can activate your stress stress response because you're going to see 10 emails of things that you need to get done immediately and all those things are are negative for performance so the longer you can avoid going to your phone first thing in the morning the better off you are and so you know my goal is try to do about you know try to go for an hour can i do it i usually don't make it an hour i usually make it about 30 to 40 minutes but you know, the longer, the better. <laughs> yeah. 30 to 40 minutes is pretty good. I think that Brooke and I were laughing because uh, that is our routine. Every day we wake up, we look straight at our email, and I'm not even realizing what that's doing to me. I'm instantly checking in, and I don't really have time to adjust to my day. And I haven't really considered that until now. You need to sit down, do, do some meditation for even 10 minutes, 10 or 15 minutes. Let's say you do it for 10 minutes. Meditate for 10 minutes where you're, where you're actually taking all those thoughts that are going through your brain at the speed of light and just acknowledging them and then letting them go and then going back to your breath and then focusing the next five minutes on what you want to accomplish that day. What's your vision? What are your goals for that day? What do you really want to, what's the most important thing for you? What's the one thing that's most important for you to accomplish that day? So you're developing clarity, right? And then Go get something nutritious to drink or something and then, and then go, okay, now I've, I've taken care of my mind. I've taken care of my body. I'm ready. I'm ready to look at all the distractions on this phone that don't, that aren't, that aren't my one thing that are really important. I'm going to try this. Yeah. I'm going to yeah, do that. Too. I think we should challenge each other. Cody. I'm going to try that. Let's yeah, do it for on. a week and see if we see if it, a difference. <laughs> and it's completely reasonable too. I don't think anybody expects me to wake up and immediately respond to an email. It's kind of some self-imposed thing that I did to myself, and um, I feel like it's something that we should really be focusing on. I was on. so grumpy yesterday morning, and it was largely due to the fact that I picked up my phone the very first thing I did when I opened my eyes. It's hard to do. I understand, especially as uh, when you're, uh, you know, especially when you're on site at a program. I mean, you're 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 supposed to be apparently on call twenty four seven for everything, but so it's going to take some. You're going to be pulled. You're going to be pulled. There's going to be this magnetic force that's saying, "Look at the phone," right? <laughs> but you, see, yeah, if you can try to, if you can try to resist it, that would be interesting to see how how you feel throughout the day. It makes me wonder. You know, this is actually relatively new technology that we have in the past couple of decades. You know, people 30, 40 years ago, they didn't have the option to look at their phone as soon as they woke up. 
So I just wondered, did those people have a different quality of life than we're experiencing right now? I remember when I was in my, when I was 21, I went to Europe and I spent two months there and I'm, you know, I'm 59. So this was 19, you know, 1981, no cell phones, none of that, you know, no pagers. The only way I could call somebody, and I only called like my, my mother, like my family, like twice over the entire summer was, was to find a payphone. And it's a much more, I'm going to, you know, go out on a limb here and say more mystical experience. It's an adventure. It's like you really feel like you're on your own and you're experiencing the moment. You know, you're not connected to anything else. We need more of that. So you weren't letting everybody know what you were doing for every second of your day on Instagram? <laughs> how, how did anyone know what you were doing? <laughs> they didn't. And even when I look back, I, I cherish it. It was like my experience. It was my it was my time. It was my experience backpacking through Europe, and 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 nobody knew what I was doing. Well, it's even down to like, and I know we're taking a little bit of a tangent here, but you know, both Cody and I have traveled internationally quite a bit, and we can get on our phones and see exactly turn by turn directions how we get somewhere. What's where's the nearest restaurant with the highest stars on Yelp? You know, so it's like you're not even exploring anymore. You're just going to these different points and kind of not looking around as you do. So, you know, I, I think we get both the the good and the bad. So I guess I could challenge. Yeah, I could challenge you to take take uh, fifteen minutes in the morning and allow yourself allow yourself to have an adventure. <laughs> I'm committed. I would say we should, I, I challenge everybody that's listening to this episode to do that and email us at podcast at cvent.com and tell us how it went. Cause I am just so curious. I, I really do think it makes a difference. I started, I think two years ago, I decided when I leave the office, I'm turning off the email on my phone and even making that small change made such a big impact in my work life balance. So I can imagine this is going to do the same. Okay. So. So much good stuff. The research, I mean, Cody and I have been talking about it for for weeks. Um, it's so interesting. I love how there's just these small applications to a live event, you know, music, just some fresh press juice. The nature part of that is so big too. I mean, being in conferences and these conference spaces can feel like you're disconnected from reality in some ways. Right. Just show me a tree for like five minutes a day or, you know, using the digital displays, right? Like technology and balance kind of working together. But over the years, you know, talking to planners, uh, there is this apprehension to change, right? They believe that their attendees are coming to their event year after year, event after event, because they like it just the way it is. And they don't want to change the experience too much. So what would you say to those planners? Like, what's step one? And what are they going to see out of that? What's the benefit? And and just kind of help them understand why this change is worth it. Here's the deal is that if if they're going to take these steps to do this, there's going to be a risk. So they have to, they have to be open to the fact that they're they're going to get some people saying, that was a lame idea, or why did you do that? Um, so there's going to be, there's going to be those naysayers and there's going to be people that are going to, going to give them a negative response. But the science is, is, is too clear now. It's that attendees and human beings are just starving for this. Well, first of all, they're starving for a new experience. It's been, I mean, I've been in the media industry for 30 years and I can tell you that the experience is not a whole lot different than it was for 30 years ago, except for the fact that you can look things up on your phone now. 
other than that, the experience is pretty much similar. But the neuroscience of, of, of performance and of well-being is saying that these things are what people want and that and they're going to respond to it. One of the things I wanted to talk to you about um, was last week we had a really fascinating discussion about flow, you know, healthy versus unhealthy flow. And we kind of alluded to the fact that there was uh, something like group flow. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about group flow? Well, the group flow, I would call nirvana. Uh, so if, if you were if you were a meeting planner or you're hosting a meeting, you're the VP of sales or VP of marketing. If you reach group, group flow, then you've, you know, you've hit you know, the motherland. The uh, group flow is a, an interesting phenomenon, and it's probably most, it's been most studied by, and this is going to surprise you, by the military. And you're going to go, what? The military? Yeah, the, the research branch of the military is called DARPA, and they've spent a lot of money on group flow. And you may go, why? Well, let's take the most elite uh, organization in the military, the SEALs, the Navy SEALs. They live by group flow. Uh, their missions are successful because of group flow. So group flow is the phenomena when everyone is in a flow state together. And it, if you think that, you know, this idea that I said before that you're at your peak performance with individual flow, where you're literally detaching from your frontal lobe the part of your low, the part of your brain that's you know conscious of everything and making decisions in what I would call quicksand, and you allow your subconscious, which is infinitely more powerful, uh, to make those decisions and get you through to a place of peak performance. Now you multiply that times twelve individuals uh, all in flow together, it creates this this uh, experience called group flow that is difficult to define. But in a, if you think of Navy SEALs going into enemy territory and they're extracting uh, hostages, so they want to save the hostages, right? They don't want to kill any hostages, but they want to probably get rid of the bad guys that are, that are going to shoot them. And they're, it's in the middle of the night in a place that they've never been before, and it's dark. It's pitch dark. And there's all sorts of chaos going on. How the heck are you going to do that? Well, the military has figured out that you can train people. They can have the best physical condition. They can have the best me uh, mental condition and skill set. And they understand, you know, they understand how to extract people. But there's something that goes on that is almost indescribable in group flows where uh, there is no leader. The leader from moment to moment changes based on who knows what the next step is. And that's group flow where everyone is so dialed in. Their subconscious is dialed into each other's subconscious, that they're in this flow state that allows those kind of activities, those kind of uh, extractions to be successful where no hostages are killed and just the bad, bad guys uh, are apprehended or killed. And they, uh, and they spend, they're spending a ton of money on getting uh, these soldiers into flow before a mission. And they're using some pretty cool stuff. They're using... They're not just using meditation and mindfulness. They're using some technology, magnetic technology that you can put around your brain uh, and, and, and get into a flow state a lot quicker. And, and they're helping the, and it even helps with learning. Like you can put this magnetic machine on your, on your head and go through this, this pulse technology. And instead of learning a language in three months, you can learn a language in six weeks. And they're doing that in the military. So 
uh, group flow is fascinating. And the idea of that possibly happening at a meeting is is really an amazing concept, amazing idea. So it's like basically you guys are all in flow at the same time and you're just, it's like mind melding. <laughs> you're all just on the same page. And this is not... And this is not, this is not, like I said, this, the U.S. military wouldn't be spending this kind of money on their top, top performers unless, unless there was something there. So it makes sense what you're saying, um, as far as, you know, being in the military, like Navy SEALs, all having to be kind of in sync in this Nirvana stage, you know, to not, uh, you know, shoot friendly fire or anything like that. How does this apply towards, uh, you know, meetings or like, uh, how, can you give me some examples of what that would look like, uh, for a, an event? The thing I think mostly is creativity that, you know, if you're in a session, if you're in a workshop, maybe it's your regional manager and your team together and you're all in a much more open state, you know, your dopamine is on fire, you're, you feel good with serotonin, your oxytocin is, is kicking, your ability to connect with people and you're in a much more creative state, you can, you can achieve, you can achieve a whole lot more. Uh, from those sessions and people will leave feeling much more engaged, much more uplifted. My ultimate goal, if you ask, what's my mission with, uh, with doing biostacking for meetings it would be, I want people to leave feeling more fulfilled and more energized when, than when they came, not the other way around. And right now, most of the time it's the other way around. Every time I walk away from an event, I am drained I could not tell you what I did yesterday or what I learned, you know, taking this and learnings and applying them and helping people get into the flow, become more productive. And well, I, it sounds like kind of naturally could lead to this group flow. So it's like best practices. Everybody is in their best state. This is when we're going to get the most creativity and production and remember what we did exactly <laughs> yeah, i'm thinking night. about like retaining a lot of the stuff that you learned if you're in that state of group flow you're actually going to probably take a lot of that back with you when you leave the event so as we're wrapping this up um and you know applying the research jonathan what else do you think this audience needs to know or what is the most important thing that they need to remember as they uh, walk away from this this podcast episode i do i do believe it's Meditation is very powerful. So if you, you know, there's so many meditation apps out there, you know, let's just, let's forget about the R lounge and going to the meeting just in your personal life. If you, if you can find uh, 10 or 15 minutes in the morning, just to, just to allow yourself to let your subconscious brain take the forefront through, and you can do that through meditation. It can really, it can really enhance your performance and your well being throughout the day. So, I just encourage you to, to, you know, experiment with it. There's, like I said, there's, uh, there's a dozen really great apps out there. You don't, you don't need a, a guru. You can just <laughs> go on the app store and download something and try it out. See if you like it. If you don't, you don't have to do it again, but it, it may just, uh, it may just make a, a difference for you in your day. I can vouch for that. I have uh, an app on my phone and I use it. I love it because you can pick, do I want like two minutes of meditation? Do I want 15? You know, so it kind of gives you the range. All right, Jonathan, before we leave, I, I think it's important for us to think back to all of these techniques and things we've been talking about with the bio stacking. And as an event planner, how can they take these changes back to their C-suite and kind of show how they're making this big impact? The meeting, meeting professionals have struggled 
for a long time to get a seat at the table with the C-suite. And however, to have a seat at the table, planners need to elevate their role. Of course, we all talk about strategic planners. Many of the meetings they're responsible for orchestrating have the top performers of the company at them. And these meetings can make or break the performance of a company. It is all about human performance. And if planners understand this, they can start introducing elements of this at the meeting to drive the bottom line. If you're talking to that VP of sales and you're saying, hey, here are some techniques that will have uh, my top performers at your annual meeting uh, be more focused, be more engaged, retain the information, and feel better. So at the end of the day, they feel like it was really worthwhile to be here. I believe those uh, internal clients will, will listen and they'll start to have uh, more of a role if they, if they can add some of these elements. Yeah. And for, you know, our audiences, we're, we'll put some more of this information that we've been talking about in the blog post. Lots of good information about little incremental changes you can make. The music, the juices, reducing the session times, but also this bigger idea of having this R lounge, this restoration space as part of your event, all of which we will have more information for you as part of the blog post. And thank you so much, Jonathan. This truly was a pleasure. And if, for our audience, again, we'll have more information on our blog. Or if you go to cvent.com slash podcast, we'll have a little bit of write-up and you can listen to this episode again. And thank you so much, Jonathan. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It was, it was a lot of fun. Such good ideas on how to apply this important research, right? I feel like going and doing some meditation right now. Totally (laughs) should do that immediately. Now, as always, more information on this topic is available at cvent.com slash podcast. That's C-V-E-N-T.com slash podcast. And again, that special offer to join us in Las Vegas. Next week, we're going to be talking to Mike Dietrich. He's Senior Director at Cvent, and he'll be talking about the event maturity model. Trust me, you don't want to miss this. Now, also subscribe to the podcast because you're going to get the episodes as soon as they come out. And let us know what you think about this episode or maybe something else you want to hear more about in future episodes. You can email us at podcast at cvent.com. All right. Talk to you guys next week. Talk to you then.